Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. We're wrapping this thing up, uh, and uh, we're going to be going over, we're talking about some self-control tonight, self-control. Now, if you've been paying attention, uh, we skipped one. Does anybody know which one we skipped? We skip faithfulness, faithfulness. There's a reason for that, that we skip faithfulness, is because uh, after taco truck week next week, the week after that, I believe that's the 12th, we're not having service, all right? So, uh, the campus is dark that week because of Easter weekend coming up, so we're not having service that week, we're taking a week off. The week after that, the 19th, April 19th, we're going to be starting a new series, and we're going to be talking about faithfulness through a whole series. This series is going to be called uh, When the House Burns Down. We're going to be talking about the life of Job, okay? Man, you're not going to want to miss it because we're going to be talking about the faithfulness that Job displayed in his life to God and the faithfulness that God displayed towards him. So I was like, man, we can't just make it a one, one, one week thing. Like, we're going to make it a series when the house burns down. I'm super excited for that. But tonight, we're talking about uh, self-control. And it's funny going through this series because it's been changing the way that I see the fruit of the Spirit. And in re- reality, the fruit of the Spirit used to be so, like, elementary to me. Like, it, it used to feel so, like, basic. And it, it, it used to be just, like, one of these basic things. And, and we've been going through and studying these things, this, these fruit of the Spirit, and they've taken on this new weight for me. They, 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 they've changed the way I, I've seen them and viewed them. They're, they're not just basics. What I've come to realize is the fruit of the Spirit, they're essentials. They're really essentials. The fruit's essential to our walk as Christians. In fact, I think this fruit is ingrained with our purpose. It's ingrained in what God has for us. It's essential to our walk. It, it's really interesting to me because I read in Genesis. I was going through, I was reading Genesis. In Genesis, God, the first thing he tells Adam and Eve is to do what? Is to be fruitful and multiply. But he says to be fruitful. Being fruitful is part of God's design for you and I. It is a part of his plan for us to be fruitful, to bear fruit. And in Galatians chapter 5, it expands what fruitful is. And part of what God's purpose for your life is for you to have and bear juicy fruit. (laughs) And today brings us to to self-control. And if last week, I was honest with you, last week that uh, gentleness was kind of a tough topic for me, Uh, but if I can be more honest with you, self-control is an even harder topic for me, okay? I lack good self-control in a lot of areas in my life. I could give you an example from like yesterday or the day before, okay? I was on my way to Santa Barbara, all right? And I was on my way down with Eli. Where's Eli at? Oh, he's in the back. Wait, everybody say hi to Eli. I was on my way down to Santa Barbara with Eli, and we knew that when we were getting into Santa Barbara, we were going to be going out to dinner. Like, we're going to have, you know, like a nice dinner. We're going to be going out. We're going to eat. We're going to get full. 
But I was getting kind of hungry on my way there. And I didn't want to be hungry for very long. I didn't know if right when we got there, we would be going right away, if there's going to be some time. So it's like, I need food, like, and I need that. But I was like, Eli, I think we should get something just to, just to hold us over, right? Just like a little something, just like a tiny something, just a little food in there so I'm not hangry, just to hold us over. And so I was like, um, I know there's a McDonald's uh, just like right off the freeway, so let's go there. So we pull off, and we go into the McDonald's drive through and I was just like, okay, just something, just something little just something to hold me over. And I lean over to Eli and I go, hey, do you want to split a 20-piece chicken McNugget with me? And he was like, yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. And the person's like, hi, welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you? And I was like, yeah, can I get a McDouble, uh, a 20-piece chicken McNugget, and a large Sprite? <laughs> and Eli starts laughing. And uh, I, we were pulling to the next window, and he's laughing. I was like, dude, why are you laughing? He's like, because you were like, there's something little to hold us over. And then you ordered a McDouble and McNuggets. It's like, bro, 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 I didn't order fries, though. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't order fries. And I was like, I... It, uh, to me, I was displaying some self-control by only getting a McDouble and a 20-piece McNugget. But they, they, like, to, to, like to you, you're like, Jake, that's, that's really self-control. And I'd be like, look, baby steps, okay? Just like baby steps. Like, I'm trying. The problem is, is I've been taking baby steps for years now, okay? And I'm not going anywhere. And see, some of us have been taking baby steps in our faith, the reality is some of us have been taking baby steps in our faith for a long time, and God is looking at you and he's wondering, when are you going to start taking real steps in your faith? When is it going to be more than baby steps? When are you going to take steps in your faith that offer real change? Steps in, in, in your walk that produce real fruit. And see, some of us here tonight... We need to grab a, hold, uh, grab a hold of the fruit of self-control and practice it. Because not having self-control leads to self-destruction. In fact, you can, re you can write that down if you want. A lack of self-control leads to self-destruction. I think uh, a perfect example of this, um, and I, I just have to talk about it, okay, because it's a recent event. Uh, a perfect example would be the Oscars. All right? Y'all knew where I was going with that. Becca already made the slap motion, okay? If you don't know what happened at the Oscars, you are Patrick Starr because you've been living under a rock, all right? Let me fill you in real quick. Chris Rock, famous comedian, makes a comedian joke about uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's hair, okay? And she has a medical condition. But he said, I can't wait to see you in G.I. Jane 2. That's a reference to a Demi Moore movie, G.I. Jane, where she shaved her head. And so he made that joke. Will Smith laughs, then sees his wife's upset, and then he gets mad, and he goes up there and just bah, slaps Chris Rock on the middle of the stage at the Oscars. Tons of people like watching, millions of viewers online, and the people there are kind of like laughing because they think like, oh, this is a joke, right? And then he goes back to his seat. He's like, keep my wife's name out of your mouth. But he didn't, he like added a word in there, a really bad word, and then he yelled it again, and people, it just got silent, and it got awkward, and it got weird, okay? It was really weird. That became the talk of the Oscars. That was the big thing about the night. And just like yesterday, Will Smith had to... Uh, had to um, issue an apology, okay? He'd smack the crap out of Chris Rock. And then he had to issue an apology. Here's what happened. Whether you think that slap was deserved or not, 
That was a lack of self-control. His lack of self-control, getting angry, walking on stage, slapping Chris Walk, you know what it did? It overshadowed the fact that Will Smith won an Oscar for Best Actor that night. A lifetime achievement. The thing that he'd been working towards his whole career got overshadowed in a moment of a lack of self-control. I mean, that's just a little example But a lack of self-control can do a whole much more than that. See, if you're not careful, a lack of self-control will lead you away from God's promise into your darkest moments. Look what Solomon says in in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Solomon's largely regarded as one of the wisest men to ever live. This is what he says. You can put it back up there. Yeah, yeah. 25, 28. Is that it? That wasn't it? Is that out of order or what? Did I put it in there? Maybe I'm dumb. Here's what it says. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. I'm going to say that again. Listen. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. See, at the time of of writing this, Solomon lived in a time where a city needed to have high walls. A city you lived in needed to have high walls to offer protection from people. Because what happens is you keep your treasure in the city. You keep your possessions in the city. Your family lives in the city. Everyone lives in the city. You keep up these walls to keep people out. But what happens is if you don't got the walls to protect your city, it's open for attack. Anyone could come in there at any time, any time, and just come and rob you of your things, rob you of your stuff, rob you of your family, rob you of your treasures, rob you of your possessions. See, if you don't have self-control, is you don't have the protection that self-control gives your life. It means you're open for attack. You're open to be robbed, to have what God desires for your life to, be, to come and, and get it taken from you. See, I've seen drugs, alcohol, porn tear apart marriages and families. Over what some people, in the moment, it felt good. They couldn't resist it. And in the moment, it, it made them feel good, but it robbed them of so much greater. Solomon in Proverbs 16, verse 32 said, it's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. See, the reality is this is completely backwards from our society today. I mean, society today tells us, like, you conquer everything. <laughs> be in charge. Be a boss, right? You want to you work up to the place. You want to be in charge. You want to be the guy. You want to call the shots. You want to tell people what to do. And what Solomon is saying is that it's better to be in control of yourself than to be in control of anyone else. It's better to have yourself under control than to be the boss, Because how we talk, how we act, how we behave has the power to drastically affect our lives. And I think if we can get this one thing together, if we can get this one thing together, it has the power to change aspects of your life that have just been haunting you, things that you've been struggling with. And if you get this, it'll give you the power to deal with them. Self-control. 
Now, uh, I'm a total video game person. Anybody play video games in here? Yo, I'm a video game person. Okay, I've been playing Elden Ring a lot. Anybody playing some Elden Ring? I've been playing Elden Ring only in my, like, in my free time, okay, at like 3 a.m., all right? It's just in spare time, spare time, okay? And, uh, man, I've just been going through it. I, dude, it's so good. It's so visually pleasing. All right, there's something about it. I mean, it's stunning. And for years now, with each new console, I just keep thinking like it can't get better than this, right? Like just the graphics and the processing power and each one is just like, I think back to the original like Atari. Anybody play an original Atari? With like Pong and the ball goes like back and forth on the screen and you're like doing the little thing and it's like super simple. And like back then, that was state of the art, right? Like that was as top notch as it got. And then like another, you know, like the Nintendo came out, you know, with Mario and then like the Super Nintendo, like a beefed up version, like Nintendo 64. Anybody Nintendo 64 people? Yeah, man, it just, it just kept getting better and better and better and better and better. But you know what I noticed? It didn't matter like how upgraded it got, how much better it got. It, it, every system that's come out has always had a controller. <laughs> every single one of them has always had a controller. And you know what that tells me? No matter how much you upgrade in life, there will always be a controller. No matter how much you upgrade in life, there's always going to be a controller. There will always be something controlling you. I think there's some of us that think that if we could just get to the top or if we can do this certain thing, there's going to be nothing controlling me anymore. I'll be my own boss. I'll call my own shots. There's going to be nothing. Let me tell you, there's always going to be something controlling you. So I have to ask you, what's controlling you? What in your life has been controlling you? Has it been partying? <laughs> has it been trauma? Has it been sex? Has, has it been the need to people please? Has it been money? I think anything you can think of, anything you can think of, I think you can put in two categories of what's been controlling you. You can put it into two categories. Two controls. Two things controlling you in your life. Two things that are fighting for control in your life. It's these two things. Sin control and spirit control. Two controls fighting for your life. Sin control and spirit control. What, what, what's controlling you is one of those two things. Your sin nature or your spirit nature. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. See, the, the, there's these two natures at war fighting. Sin nature is fighting for, for control of your destiny, your decisions, your relationships, and your future. Sin is what caused generations of people to not live up to their full potential. Sin has, was, was what's, what's tainted uh, great legacies with moral tragedies. And, and the sin nature is making decisions on what feels good in your flesh. It's whatever feels good in the moment, right? If it feels good, then do it. That's the world we live in. It's all about what satisfies in the moment, regardless of what it costs you 
later. Most of the time, we're operating in what feels good in the moment. We're operating in our sinful nature because Paul says the sinful nature gives us desires. And when we let these desires control our actions, we let sin control us. While hooking up with that person just felt good. While cheating on that exam so I didn't have to study, it it, it just, it it felt good. Getting high every morning feels good. (laughs) Romans chapter 5 verse 12 It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. You and I, we were born into sin. It's our nature. We're born into death. Our sinful nature has control from the day we're come into this world. But because of Jesus, you and I have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and it produces a spirit nature that works the opposite of death, and it brings life. Sinful nature focuses on what feels good. The spirit nature focuses on what is good. The sinful nature focuses on what feels good. The spirit nature focuses on what is good. And when the spirit nature has control, what you're doing, in, really in the most basic sense, is you are making decisions against yourself. When you let the spirit nature have control, it's operating in opposition of what comes natural to you. The, the, the spirit nature, the Holy Spirit that wants to work inside of you is fighting for your future. It's fighting for your purpose. It's fighting for your future marriage and your future kids and your future career. And these two natures are constantly at war with each other inside of you at all times. See, this is why Paul calls it self-control. Because every day when you wake up, there are two natures fighting for control your sinful nature and your spirit nature, and you yourself, you decide who's in control. You decide who's in control. You decide which nature shows up in your situations. You decide which nature shows up in in your decisions, in your conversations, in your reactions. When you wake up every day, you decide which nature you're going to operate in. Is it going to be what feels good or what is good? Is it going to be what divides or or what unifies? Is my sin nature going to run my life today or is the spirit inside of me going to bring me further into my God-given purpose? I'll tell you more more often than not, the, the nature that wins the battle is whichever one is stronger. More often than not, the, 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 the nature that wins the battle is whichever one is stronger inside of you. See, when I, when I make poor spending decisions, it's because the, the want for an item outweighs the smart financial goals I set for my family, right? <laughs> when I make unhealthy uh, eating choices, it's because my desire for unhealthy sugary foods outweighs my desire for six-pack abs, all right? In the moment, that's what I choose. See, the, the nature that wins the battle between sin and spirit, it's whichever is stronger inside of you. There's this old, uh, this old Native American parable I'll never forget, and I, I like this parable. It's not necessarily, you know, from the Bible. It's Native American parable, uh, but it's really good. I, I'm going to read you a little gist of it. It says, an old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. 
He says, a fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It's a terrible fight, and it's between two wolves. One is evil, and the other is good. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person, too. And the grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. See, the, the, the stronger nature inside of you is whichever nature you feed more. The stronger nature is the one you feed. There's two beasts, two wolves, two natures inside of you warring for control, and the stronger one is going to win, and the stronger one will always be the one you feed more. Whatever nature you let control you is the nature that is stronger. The stronger nature is the one you feed. So let me ask you, what are you taking in? What are you taking in? What's fueling your soul? What are you feeding yourself? What situations are you, are you putting yourself in? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I noticed a long time ago that if I was like kind of sad and depressed and then I started listening to sad and depressed music, like it kind of felt good because I related and it was sad, but it only kept me sad and depressed. I would not get better. It would just be, I would just be like, crying, you know what I mean? But I'm like, I, I feel you, you know? I, I noticed the same thing. If I, if I was angry and upset and I was just listening to angry, upset music, it was just like, I would just be even angrier and more upset. See, if you want to stop letting your sinful nature control you, you have to stop feeding it. If you want to stop hooking up with people you meet at bars, you got to stop going to bars. If you want to stop gambling all your money, you've got to stop going to casinos. If you want to stop doing drugs, you've got to stop buying them and hanging out with people who sell them. See, it sounds like it would be common sense, right? You're like, oh, that's basic. It sounds like it'd be common sense, but it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Whatever you struggle with in your sin nature, because only you know you and what you struggle with on a daily basis, whatever you struggle with, it is a struggle, even though it might be common sense to just be like, oh, I should just walk away from that. Why is it a struggle? Because it's not enough to just stop feeding your sinful nature. It is not enough to just stop feeding your sinful nature because if you're just not feeding your sinful nature and you're not feeding your spirit nature, then they're both equally as weak. In Romans chapter 12 verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, it's, it's not enough to just stop feeding your sinful nature. You have to be feeding your spirit nature by focusing on and doing the things God is calling in you to do. The things that don't just feel good, but the things that are good. And that, you, that, that will begin to renew your soul and transform your life. You will be a new person by changing the way you think. See, what you think about is often a direct result of what you feed yourself. What you think about is often a direct result of, of what's coming in most often. We focus on what we take in. So can I help you? <laughs> if I can help you, what you should be doing to strengthen the spirit nature inside of you is by first knowing 
what that spirit nature is all about. I can't say, I can't stress this all en- uh, enough, is you can't apply God's standards if you don't know God's standards. You can't apply God's standards to your life if you don't know God's standards. See, God's standards and knowing them comes from spending time taking in God's word. (laughs) It's through community like tonight and having, uh, and learning about God's word and having group discussion. It's from going to church on Sunday. And you know what, more importantly, it's from reading God's word in your own time. See, when you begin to take that in, and you feed the spirit, it becomes stronger and stronger, and the spirit nature becomes stronger, and the sinful nature becomes weaker. But the honest truth is that the sin nature is always there. It's always there, no matter how small and weak it may be, no matter if you stop feeding it, it's always there. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now, when I, when I read this, I see Paul, one of the greatest apostles in the Bible, and he's struggling, like all of us. Even when he knows what the right thing to do is, even when he's been taking in and feeding that spirit nature, his sinful nature still takes over from time to time. See, it's impossible to have full spirit control all the time. Those natures are at war within you, but thank God for Jesus. Because even when we don't get it right, he got it right for us. And I want you to know, God knows we're going to mess up. He knows. So here's what he says. Look, look at this. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, confess your sins to who? Each other. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This is what I want you to see. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this on our own. If you could have stopped sinning on your own, you would have done it by now. (laughs) If you could have stopped lying, you would have done it by now. If you could have stopped cheating, you would have done it by now. If you could have quit smoking, you would have done it by now. Yeah, if, if, if you could have stopped getting angry, if you could have stopped watching that thing you're not supposed to, you would have done it by now. See, not only do you need the power of the Spirit, but sometimes, this is a key right here, sometimes to have self-control, you need accountability. To have self-control, you need accountability. 
There are things that you and I can't overcome unless we ask for help, but we can't get help unless we ask for it. There's a real struggle in each and every one of us to either be the person God is calling us to be or be the person our sinful nature wants us to be. And really, the, the church for years has been a, a place of hiding struggle. It, it's been a place of putting on a good face. You walk through the doors and you act like you got it all together. You're not struggling with anything. Oh, yeah, praise God. God is good. No, Jesus freed me from all my sins. I don't struggle with anything. I'm a, I'm a whole new person. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any struggles. I don't have any sins in my life. And we hide it. The church has come a place, become a place of, of, of hiding. But the struggle is real. The battle's real. The war in you is real. Listen, the struggle is real, so be real in your struggle. The struggle is real, so be real with your struggle. Be honest. Don't hide your struggle. Own it. I love it. The Bible says that what's done in secret, what's done in the darkness will be brought to light eventually. Here's what. Don't wait for your struggle to be brought to the light. Bring your struggle to the light. Don't wait until it boils over and it's a big scandal and it's caused a huge problem and it's caused rifts in your family and it's torn your life down into nothing before you deal with the struggle. You bring the struggle. Own it. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Listen, this doesn't mean, like, this doesn't mean you need to put all your sins on the social media, all right? It doesn't mean that you need to be telling everybody, like, everybody on the face of the planet what you're going through or what you're struggling with. That's not what it means. It means that you need to find someone or a couple people to hold you accountable for the change you want to see in your life. I mean, if I, I made a goal to get up every morning and read my Bible and then go to the gym. And like, I was like, man, that's my goal. I'm going to do those two things in the morning. But then I never did it, and I didn't tell anybody my goal. Like, who cares, right? Like, nobody knows that I failed at that or like I'm not doing it. Like, it's just whatever. And then I can just make another goal, and then I never do it. And I'm just like, ah, whatever. And then I make another goal. I'm like, ah, oh, I never did it. Who cares? Like, I only know. But if I tell my wife, and I'm like, hey, babe, listen, here's my goal. Every day this week, I want to wake up. I want to read my Bible, and I want to go to the gym. And she's like, okay, that's a good goal. I was like, make sure I do that. And then the next day, I don't do that. Well, she's she going to be like, hey, you need to get out of bed. Like, you have a goal. You got to read your Bible and go to the gym. And I'm like, ah, okay, fine. Like, she's holding me accountable for this goal that I have. And see, when you're struggling with your sinful nature, when you're struggling in life and you let someone know that you look up to, that you trust, and you ask them to hold you accountable, then they can be encouraging you and praying with you and walking with you for the change that you want to see. Here's how you do that. You find someone you know and you trust and you say this, this is what I am doing. This is what I am struggling with. And, but this is what I want to do. This is, this is what's hurting me right now. I, I know I have this in my life. I know God wants me to change that. I can't do it on my own. Will you help me to change this? So you, you may say, look, look. I, 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 when I'm stressed, I, I tend to overeat. But what I want to do when I stress is like, I just, I wanna, I, I just want to read my Bible. I, I want to listen to some worship music instead. 
Or, or man, I keep talking and, and, and dating people who are toxic for me. Can you help me to recognize the red flags and then hold me accountable that when I see the red flags, then man, I'll just walk away. Hey, I have a problem with, with alcohol and I know I can't deal with this on my own. Will you help me? Will you help me check into a rehab? Will you make sure that I go through with it? Will you make sure that I stay clean? See, accountability keeps you on track for self-control. Because that person will ask you if you've been staying the course. They'll help you delete those contacts you need to delete. They'll hold the passwords to your Amazon account so you won't overspend. They'll check your browsing history to know that you're, make sure that you're not watching things you're not supposed to be. And see, you and I, we're, we're, we're not meant to do this alone. The church is a family. It's meant to help build each other up, especially when it comes to living our lives the way God wants us to live them. Here's what happens when we start living the way God calls us to live, is we see that God's ways are better than our ways. God's ways are better than anything we could achieve or do on our own. That God in control of our life is better than anything in the world. And this idea of self-control, it becomes less of a struggle and more of a desire. It becomes less of a struggle and more of a desire. In Psalm 42, uh, verse 1, it says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. That's David speaking. As the deer longs for water, I long for you. See, when we operate in and feed the spirit nature, we see that God gives us a life that's fulfilling. It's fulfilling, and we begin to have a desire to follow God and his ways, and it becomes easier and easier for us to choose and operate in the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 23, I love, I love the message version because I just think it speaks so well. Did you read this with me? It says, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. And then Paul goes on to say this. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. I want you to know, God has something more for you than whatever you've been thinking is fulfilling you. He has a life of abundance planned for you, but the choice is yours. 
I'm challenging you today is stop living a sin-powered life of emptiness and start living a spirit-empowered life of faith that will produce freedom and abundance. <laughs> stop feeding into that sin nature that's only going to bring you death, but feed the nature that will bring you life. <laughs> Get some accountability. Bring people alongside you that will help you. And when that war is going on inside of you, you will have the desire to see the Spirit's nature take over. Self-control is you choosing who you let control you. Self-control is you choosing who you let have control. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So, man, when you wake up tomorrow, you have a choice. Who are you going to let control you? Your sin nature or your spirit nature? When you wake up the next day, you have a choice. Who are you going to let control you? Your sin nature, your spirit nature. The day after that, who are you going to let control you? Your sin nature, your spirit nature. Even now, who are you letting control your life? We all got a controller. Something's controlling us. Man, let it be Holy Spirit, producing the fruit in your life. <laughs> the message version calls it the gifts God gives. Man, let God give you those gifts by letting the Spirit control and move and operate in your life. Man, I don't know if that's you tonight, if you need the Spirit to move, if you need it to be the person in control. I don't know what you've been letting control you, but I know that God wants to move in you. I know that God has something for you. I know it. I believe it. And it starts with letting him have control. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you for a night that we can come here and know your word, God. God, that you would bring us conviction through your spirit that we would know and see that maybe we haven't been operating in all the right ways. Maybe we've been struggling with things. God, I pray that tonight would be the first step in being real with our struggle, God. And maybe some of us tonight, we need to find some accountability in our lives. God, I pray that even right now, as we think of it, we would think of a person that you would just highlight somebody to us that we can go and talk to. God, that they would come alongside us. God, that we would be just a network of believers that are here to build each other up so that we can walk towards you together. God, I pray that as we leave tonight, that we would make the choice every day to feed the Spirit. God, that we'd know more about you. And God, that we would have a desire to follow you and let you lead our lives, God. Lord, we thank you for this series. Just going through the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, I know that it's been super impactful to my life and to people's lives here. God, we thank you for your word that stands the test of time, God. Lord, we thank you that you're not finished with us. God, that you're producing a work in us each and every day. Something new, something exciting. God, you're giving us gifts in abundance. And Lord, I pray that we would operate in that in every day of our lives, Lord. We just give you this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you.